as if we needed to go find another goalie, another great analyst who happens to be a goalie. Yeah. I'm just sick and tired. I'm no left wingers, no fourth line left wingers <laughs> out there helping me, supporting me. No. The goalies, they know their stuff. We have no problem finding them. Steve, but not as good as this. None of them. Steve Valaket is another prime example on the real Kipper and Born show. Steve, how how are you? And uh, God, I mean, why does this keep happening? You 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 ex goalies. Well, I'll tell you what, Kipper. Uh, I had 276 games on the bench, so there's a lot of things to think about <laughs> while I was there. Okay. <laughs> and you know why I know that, Kipper? Because when I get my pension statement, I got to hide it so my wife doesn't see it. <laughs> awesome point. Uh, well, listen, thanks for joining us. Uh, really appreciate it. Apparently, you've maybe caught our show on a couple of occasions. I am, uh, yes, first-time caller, long-time <laughs> fan and supporter. No, hey, man, I, I'm telling you, I love listening to you guys. Not only insightful, experienced Kipper with the analysis, use of analytics where it applies, but the comedy. I come for the comedy. Are, <laughs> Way to go, Sammy. Oh, I love Sammy has me dying, okay? I'm walking and I'm laughing out loud and my neighbors think I'm an idiot, but I, I think you guys are hysterical. And, you know, we don't care if people laugh with us or at us. We It doesn't matter to us. Don't lump me in with you. Uh, you guys have had some really good weeks, probably your best work the last few weeks. I've been dying. I appreciate it a lot. So tell us how the week's going for the New York Rangers and, and teeing up game four. You know what it is? It's, it's just five on five. It's been hard to get chances, and it hasn't been physical until the dying moments of the game Sunday, and you've seen the reaction from Gerard Glenn. Like, I think he's going to bring these guys up another notch, and they have to come because, guys, three games in the series, uh, the Rangers have only mustered 10 high-danger chances, right? Like 10 really good chances. It has been hard to get inside on Carolina, and then when they've gotten inside, They've deferred out. I was having Peter Pluka flashbacks Sunday afternoon where he'd come inside and just dish outside <laughs> the Yager. And I know I'm serious. And I'm sitting with Henrik, and I was like, do you remember when Pluk used to do that? And he's like, yeah, man. Like, it really hurt him. It, it took him out of the league. But we had like six or seven guys doing that on Sunday afternoon. Open looks in the middle of the ice, looking for more. Against Carolina, you've got to get it there and pound them. They're not that big. They are fast. They're probably the best conditioned team in the league. But there just hasn't been enough on the offensive side of the pocket. Five on five. Their power play is still a weapon, but in games one and two, they just couldn't get set up. They got set up Sunday afternoon, got a nice one. Well, Steve, I'll just join the Mutual Admiration Society and say I'm a big fan of you and, and all your work. So thanks for joining us today. Um, wanted to get your thoughts on what you've seen out of uh, Igor Shosturkin so far. Great game three, um, and, and really the key to the Rangers' ability to have success in this postseason run. They're going to need him. Uh, what have you seen from him so far this postseason? So, where is in Borny? Thank you very much, and uh, appreciate it. I know, uh, I know you're a huge Islander supporter. So, for you to say that you're watching the <laughs> Ranger uh, post game, I'm sure that's a stretch. I have but, you for work. Uh, for work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, here's the thing with Shesterkin, guys. Um, it starts with consistency, and what that means is you don't let in the low-danger goals, right? He didn't. He gave up the fewest bad goals this year, eight of them. That's it. So you start there, and then all of a sudden, Sunday, he gives one up. It was uh, Niederreiter down the wing if you saw the backhand. So that was his first bad goal of the playoffs. The neat thing was, though, fellas, that he bounced right back. Now, 
the way that I watched the game, right, and, and this was kind of neat, too, because Henrik and I were up in the perch. We're sitting where Sam and Joe usually call the game for MSG. And, of course, we've got the national telecast, so the booth is open. We get Henrik through security. It was not easy to get him across the street, but we get upstairs, and we're watching this thing. And it was, it was really neat to see how he plays the game from the bird's eye view. And the key to his game, it's, it's a lot of work before the shot. So the harder a goalie works before the shot, the easier the shot will be. That's a very simple uh, way to start with any young goalie. He beats the pass, comes to a complete stop, beats the next pass through a screen. He battles for the lane, gets across. He has a hard push, but it's, it's always a stop so that when he has to move over for a deflection, if he's moving two or three feet, it's not an aggressive slide out of position. He plays between his posts. And I thought that he was able to muster the energy to have a 44-shot night look not that dangerous because there wasn't a lot of running around. And Henrik commented, he's like, man, he's very relaxed when he's in his upper stance. He looks over the screen. He's not wasting a lot of energy. You watch some goalies around the league running around out there, and they run out of pace. And the one thing that happened in the last series against Pittsburgh 76 scoring chances in, in total in the overtime, three overtime against Pittsburgh uh, game one. And it really ran into games three and four where he looked like he was late. He's not getting his stops. He's not beating his passes. And, and since he's running around and Pittsburgh was throwing it off the back wall against his pad and banking it in. Why? Because he's late and he's not finding pucks quickly. But right now he's right on top of his game again. We're joined by Steve Aliquette, uh, who analyzes for the New York Rangers on MSG. Uh, Steve, take us back to the end of, uh, of, the, of the game where Gerard Gallant and Tony D'Angelo got into it. And I'm just wondering, is that where really Gerard wants to go in terms of creating that type of energy? I, I just, I don't know. For me personally, I don't know how far you want to go as a head coach to put that much focus on it uh, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. Gerard coaches with experience. He doesn't coach in X's and O's and telling everybody where to be. He's not in your ear on every shift, fellas. He, the guys come off the ice. If there's a mistake made, there's very rarely going to be a long reprimand. Um, use of analytics, no. Uh, but the experience is what he has. And if he, if he goes there, Kipper, I have to say, you know what? He knows more than I do about this right now. I think, Kipper, if you were following this series closely, you'd want a little bit more jam on the line. So there it's, hasn't been a, it's, I think he's yeah, trying to raise the level. It's the emotion that he's, he's drawing. Yeah. He wants to brand Kipper. Like, these guys just aren't there. Uh, there's been some periods where I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I checked in with uh, Andrew Raycroft before the series began just to get a heads up on how it went with Boston. He said the same thing. He's like, valid. most of these games felt like game 58. So Carolina's not really there, and I don't know if they want to go there. So if they don't want to go there, I think the Rangers have to take them there and see if they get uncomfortable a little bit. So uh, just to steer it away, well, not to steer it away on purpose, but I, I've got a couple of goaltender questions, goalies I want to get to with you. One of the guys that we talked about a little bit earlier on our show today uh, was Andre Vasilevsky and his ability to excel in deciding games. In, in game sevens or in elimination games, he's, he's got six shutouts and seven tries, like absolutely bonkers numbers. Like what gets yeah. harder as a goaltender under pressure? Because I, I can sense it from a player like you tighten up and you're not as freewheeling. What is it that this guy doesn't seem to have? Or so that fear factor, I guess, that other goalies do, it's, it's foreign to me. 
Um, I wish Sammy was on this call because I'd start talking about maybe Cam Atkinson's uh, two-on-one goal in the third <laughs> period of a 0-0 game of game one when the Columbus Blue Jackets beat the <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs. Or, right. or I'd go to, or to a game five goal that Liam Foody had in the third period oh. or to Boston two years. You know, there's, there's so many to count, guys, when you look at – I'm talking about game conditions, okay? So game conditions for a goalie, it's very specific – how do you react? <clears throat> excuse me. When the when the score is tied, when you're up by a goal or down by a goal, how do you play? What's your save percentage? When you face a breakaway at score tied, down by a goal or up by a goal, what's your save percentage? Why does it differ? And why is it easier for you when you're up by two or down by two? When it doesn't matter. So where does where does Vasilevsky rank in the league? In those important, I call them like money goalie moments. He has a better mental game, and that's what you can't see. You can, you can get a good scope of it when you look at some of the raw stats. But if you watch him night after night in the NHL, and the same for Shesterkin, these guys are the best goalies at score tied, up by a goal, down by a goal. Score tied is the most important because that's the way you start the game. But if you can have a goalie that's going right into that area right there and makes the big saves, grade-A saves, whatever you want to call them, high-danger chances, those are the guys that you want to run with. <clears throat> Quite frankly, those are the guys that win. Uh, Bennington was the same way. Holtby's the same way. Go over the last six, seven Stanley Cups, and it's all of those guys that are not uncomfortable in, in uncomfortable moments. They're very confident and sure of themselves. It's a mental state. In fact, if I had a really good goalie technically, but he had a bad save percentage in any of those three areas, we're talking about what you're feeling during these game conditions with a sports psychologist and how can I help you. When we look at Carolina and we see Ranta, it's pretty remarkable what he's doing because his comfort zone isn't necessarily uh, when the going gets tough. He, he seems to be one of those 1A, 1B type of goalies, but uh, will this catch up to him? Will it tighten up on him? Well, here's the thing, right? Um, when Auntie Ranta was here, Kipper, uh, I love this goalie, man. Technically, he is he's got it. He is a very easy guy to use, and I, and I run hockey camps in the summer and such. I could take a Ranta game and cut that film and then use it in the summer. He was that good when he was here. I, I didn't want to see him go, but at the same time, couldn't wait to see what he was going to do next. And the same for Cam Talbot. And when these guys leave, what happens is now they feel it. There's a different heat there to be number one. Anybody will explain that to you. But when you're number one, if you want to be consistent, can you be available for 60 games? Can you stay healthy? And can you play consistently? during those long stretches of sometimes you're going to have to play seven in a row, eight in a row. We have never seen Ron to do that. He's never been able to keep the hospital bracelet off. And sometimes the body will resolve what the mind cannot. And sometimes it's okay to have a little tweak here because you're getting a little nervous about playing another tough Western coast swing, whatever is coming up. And I think that sometimes guys bail on those opportunities. I work with a lot of goalies. I see it all the time at all age levels. There is a stress and a pressure that can attack your body and attack your mind. And sometimes I feel like there's an easy way out. I didn't love the bump that he took in uh, the Bruins series. I didn't think that was that bad. That was, to me, that was a WWE glance. And, and I love the guy, but I thought he left easy there. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, and I love that. I love that because that is such a truth of playing the position, that it's a tough spot to be in. Guys are in your crease. You know, those guys are players too, and, and how they handle it is, is huge in playoffs. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you about how you – 
evaluate goaltending or how it's changed over the years? Because I know that you do use more numbers or more tools maybe than some, you know, than other analysts do. What is it that you pay closest attention to when you're evaluating goaltenders? Great question. One of the things, one of the reasons why I started doing this was because number one, nobody had done it from a goalie's perspective in the NHL as far as categorizing and pulling in all of the um, characteristics of what I would characterize as a hard shot versus what I would characterize as an easy shot, which is half of a second of clear view on the puck. Those are the ones you want your goalie to save. Now, when I'm coaching, one of the things that bothered me was one day I'm doing a drill with one of my goalies. His name's Strauss Manny. He actually played as the starting goalie for uh, the Olympics this year for USA. Just signed with San Jose. Mm-hmm. You'll hear about this kid. He's a warrior. Great kid. But uh, going back four or five years, we're, we're doing a run of drills out of the corner, walking the goal line, going to the crease. Strauss says to me, Valley, you know, I love this drill and everything, but I just don't feel like this ever happens. And I thought about it. I was like, you know what? This guy's kind of got me on this one. I'm like, yeah, I don't see it happen that much either. Why am I doing this? You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, it's really like, what are we doing frequently enough that happens often enough that it matters in a game? And to me, team development is player development. Make your players better, your team gets better. We have to do what we're going to see most frequently in games. So if I'm evaluating a goalie, number one, to answer your question, he better be able to stop the pucks that he can see with half a second. Because scoring is fundamentally about giving the goalie uh, less than half of a second. So if we're always trying to make it more difficult on them by screening, by passing across the seam, doing all these things where a goalie can't, as I said, with Shesterkin, get set up, get that half of a second. That's why the setup's so important for Shesterkin. He comes to a complete stop. He's gathering time. He's gathering time on the puck. Now he feels good about himself. When he gets fatigued, he feels rushed. He's late. He doesn't get the half second. And now he's scrambling on a rebound, right? Because his momentum's going one way, the save's going the other. If a goalie can stop, a real goalie, a real goalie has to be very consistent at 20, 25 feet because that's where you have maximum vertical angle. Plus, you want to see a goalie make that save so you can add it to your game plan like a two-on-one. I want to give my goalie the shot. I have to trust him. I never trusted Frederick Anderson uh, when he was with the Leafs on a two-on-one. Never. His numbers backed it up. His numbers made me say, uh, you know what, guys? We've got to take away the shot on the two-on-one. We've got to play it different for Freddie. So there are goalies in, in some cases that you have to really adjust to based on their strengths. Steve, one more for me, and uh, it's regard to Panarin's comments uh, at the end of the week where he said that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but uh, he, can't, he, can't, he can't do what he wants to do on the blue line. And I'm like, is it because uh, it's simpler in the playoffs? Or are you sending a message to your head coach that uh, perhaps uh, the yeah. system doesn't jive with my creativity? I know, I know where you're going, Kipper. I want to say it too, but I got in trouble last week for saying it on the Michael K. Show. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, here's the thing: it didn't change him. Okay, Sunday afternoon, he was still doing stupid. You know, so, <laughs> he doesn't care. You can tell this guy anything; he'll be like, "Yeah, right." He laugh it off. He's a very fun, likable guy that has that. Uh, I think he's got to bring a little more Kucherov into his game, and I, I think that. You know, you go through this experience. He's never had the uh, big success in the playoffs yet. He's probably learning a little bit here. But uh, it was interesting. Earlier in the year, the Rangers went into Columbus, and Gerard came down publicly on him to shoot more, be more aggressive on the back check, do these things. Went out and had a hat trick. So it's just like 
you're waiting for it to click for him and what matters and what works in playoffs doesn't work in the regular season. And uh, we all know that. And I think it's just about our time, but he didn't change though. If you watch the game, he was doing all the same stuff. Hank and I are watching it. We're laughing. We're, <laughs> of course, we're calling it out every time he does it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, hey, so what's it like uh, working with Henrik Lundqvist? Cause I, I would never do it because he's way too good looking. And I don't want to be. What does that bes- say that you've agreed to work I, with me? I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to be beside someone that looks like you know Bradley Cooper making a, a Hollywood movie. I'm sorry, I don't. That's why I work with Justin or Elliot Friedman, for that matter. Kipper, do you have any idea how expensive this has been for me? Okay, but you need plastic I- surgery. Dude, well, plastic surgery. I'm doing my hair all the time. I got highlights going. I got suits. I got new ties. I got. I got. I even just got my shoes shined because his shoes look better than mine. It's but, way you know, too it's much pressure. Oh, it's so much pressure. But uh, you know, even you know, even preparing for stuff and working out with him, it's been a lot of fun. But now I'll tell you what, it's been expensive, no doubt. Oh wait, right, I do have a tip though. I got a good tip. Yeah, hair dryer. You need a blow dryer. We're going back to the '80s. I found out about the hair. It's a blow dryer, and it's just the wax. Okay. And he puts it on the back side of his fingers as he brings it through the hair. So just, just try that out if you're having any difficulty at home. This is major inside scoop right wow, here. Wow, this is. I'm doing it. <laughs> you need that. You yeah, need... you don't look. You don't look the best. And uh, you know, getting the blow dryer out is just not really the most masculine thing to do. But uh, I'm telling you, it works. Start playing that Carly Simon song. You're so vain. When next time <laughs> yeah. he's blow drying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Steve. That was a lot of fun, man. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Hey, I'm on any time because I listen every day for free. Love you guys. (laughs) Steve Alicat, analyst for the New York Rangers, does a fantastic job. And so does that other good-looking guy who's beside him. I forget his name. Yeah. Super insightful, though. Like, I really, listening to him, I I get a lot out of... He he was kind of the first guy to discuss the idea of, for a goaltender, 40 shots aren't 40 shots or 20 shots aren't 20 shots. How many of them are passed across the middle of the ice? He called it the Royal Road, I think. How many are, you know, how many, he mentioned yeah. half a half a second of clear view. Like, these are different type shots, and it's yeah. important to note the difference that goalies face. You know, he, he made a comment about uh, money goalies and critical times, right, mm-hmm. of the goals. Yeah. Same thing with the scores for me. Yeah. Is that I'd like... Analytics. Oh, did Braden Point get another one? Like, but I, I'd like analytics on game tying goals or uh, going up a goal. Oh, it's out in there. a game, yeah. yeah, and just you know break those numbers down for the superstars. But are they are they out there? We should. I'd I'd like to see the regular season list of that if if you can find it for us. Yeah, uh, specifically like game like game winners game, or yeah. guys by goal like yeah. up a goal down a goal going up. I'm sure Tampa Bay would probably lead the league in, in that sort of stuff. What do you think? Yeah, Tampa's the best team in the league, <laughs> up a goal. I can tell you that. Up a goal in the third period, they give up nothing. All right, let's bring in somebody that may speak of that a little bit more. Brian Englom, of course, uh, does uh, the analyst uh, work uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, and Brian uh, it could, couldn't finish this show unless we spoke a little bit more of Tampa and how uh, impressive that sweep was. Uh, give us your 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 view from 30,000 feet above? Uh, well, guys, going into that series, I thought anything could happen. It could go seven games um, and be overtime in game seven, or you could have it by a hair's breadth and one team win four straight, and either team in that fact. Uh, so 
I'm, am I surprised that the Lightning won four straight? Yes. I, I didn't think it was going to be like that for sure. Florida's uh, track record during the season and what they were able to do scoring goals. Uh, and also certainly based on the games that the two teams have played against each other. I think they played 18 times before, over the last couple of years before the series started. And a lot of times it would get back and forth like river hockey, you know, and uh, Florida likes to play that way. And sometimes the Lightning like to play that way too. But I think they came out on the short end of that more often than winning. So they went into this series with a, a definite plan. And you heard Coop talk about that. Uh, on many occasions and that plan was to play way more conservatively and keep their big guys out of the middle of the ice and trust number 88 in net and that's ultimately what they did so it took away from some of their offense there's no doubt about that and I know some people looked at them and said geez they they look slower and they said the same thing against Toronto and they were doing a similar thing against the Leafs so keep them out of the middle of the ice and try to limit the the uh, the shots and, and the big opportunities from the big players. So it did take away some of their speed and some of their focus, but they're through two rounds and they've knocked them both off. So you certainly can't argue with it. Brian, you know, it's one thing to have a game plan and another team to let the other team execute their game plan. So like Calgary has the game plan to shut down Connor McDavid, but Connor McDavid's like, no, we're not doing that. What have you, what did you see from Florida that, you know, allowed them to to let Tampa do what they wanted that failed to dictate any of the, the series. I guess it feels like a lot of that was on their stars. They lost their patience. Yeah. Um, it, 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 got, it, it started in the Washington series uh, by Washington killing all the penalties um, in, in that series. So their, pen, their power play, which was one of the best in the league in a regular season, came in uh, limping. And the Lightning continued it. So they went to a max at, what, 0 for 25 before they finally scored one. And it really affected guys like Jonathan Huberdeau. Like, I looked at him compared to what I'd seen during the season, watching on TV and certainly the Lightning games against them. Um, and he just looked like a different guy. I mean, that confidence level that players talk about, when you lose it, boy, it's, it's pretty scary. And I hate to say it, but the P word, pressure, you know, when, when yeah. you're a favored team, when you're a favored team and things are going sideways, that's when you really find out about your guys. And, and look, the Lightning went through it a couple of years ago, well-documented. They lose four straight to Columbus. Very, very similar situation. Kept banging on the door the same way and, and having no answer. And they got shut off in the middle of the, in the neutral zone and in the middle of the ice, lost their confidence, um, and very similar uh, to what Florida just went through. Look, you know, we talk, we all talk about this a lot, that it doesn't matter what team you are and, you know, how you're made up. You still have to be able to play more than one way in order to win the Stanley Cup. That is absolutely true. You cannot just be a high-powered team. You can go back to Gretz and the boys in Edmonton back in, in the 80s. They learned lessons from the Islanders, right? And Gretz has talked about it a lot. So have the rest of them. You have to be able to play more than one way. And, and that was a fact, again, that Florida learned a really hard lesson on about what to focus on when in the game and in the series. We're talking to Brian Englom, uh, analyst for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, so Brian, earlier on in the show, uh, we, we kind of put the question out there. Uh, if, if Tampa played against Toronto like they did against Florida, would they have beaten the Leafs earlier in the series? 
if if Tampa had played the yeah. same way uh, against yeah. Leafs, yeah, I think they tr- I think they tried Nick, um, but in in many ways uh, Toronto was better than Florida, so they were harder to handle. Um, and I think the Lightning were still going through this process. Uh, I think they're better at it now than they were against Toronto. You know, when the playoffs start, you come in with that plan and you get better, hopefully, as you go along without losing four games. So maybe that's the best way to explain it. When the chips were down, uh, they found a way to, to limit Toronto as best they could. And when they didn't, like, it always go back to your goaltender, right? I mean, look at Vasilevsky. I mean, he got shelled last night by, by Florida. And for goodness sakes, you knew that Florida had to come out and empty the tank and had to come with a big push. They had nothing to lose. I mean, if they sat back, it would be idiotic. And it's not like they didn't come with a lot of firepower. And Vasilevsky was a freaking octopus in that, which he always does. You know, he's, he's actually had shutouts now in six of the last seven series-ending games. Six of the last Scare, seven. Scary. Toronto was the only game. Toronto was the only game he allowed a goal, for God's sake. Shutouts, not just wins. Shutouts. The guy was an octopus. Well, our producer, Sammy, feels so much better yeah. with your answer. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Brian. <laughs> Glad um, I could help. You know, the, the, the Bolts have won the Stanley Cup partially off the backs of really successful third lines in the playoffs, and those guys have gone on to get paid and feature in prominent roles on other teams. How have Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel been since their additions? Nick Paul has been a revelation to me, I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been jaw-dropping, to be quite honest with you. I didn't feel like I knew him very well at all when, when they acquired him, and I went, okay, I kind of remember him. And almost right from day one, first practice, first day, um, he, he just did things. I mean, he just fit right in, and nothing seemed to bother him. Um, he seemed to fit in with the system, uh, didn't seem to take him long. He started handling the puck and just doing his thing. And it was almost like, okay, is this okay? Am I, am I doing all right? Yeah, kid, you're doing just fine. Keep going. And he got better and better and better. And I'm telling you, so many times I, I've said in post-game radio shows and stuff, and that Nick Paul, that Nick Paul, Nick Paul, I keep repeating, it's a broken record. The kid has played some terrific hockey. He's, big, he's faster than you think. He's smarter than you think. He handles the puck and makes plays better than you think. And you just keep going, wow. And situationally, he doesn't get things wrong. And he, and he works his ass off coming back into the, into the defensive zone. I got not one bad thing to say about Nick Paul. Oh, good. Outstanding. Hagel, uh, I think it was a, a slower process. And he came here with 21 goals after a really good year with Chicago. And I think he wanted to make an impression scoring goals. And, you know, that sometimes that happens. You get a couple early. Well, it didn't happen for him. And so I think he was pressing and pressing. And so then I think he, they finally said to him, look, just settle down. We know why we brought you here. What, that speed, that forecheck, you'll make some plays. You know, I think just relaxed a little bit. So he's gotten better and better as it's come along. And I've seen more impact shifts and more impact games in the playoffs than maybe it started at the very end of the regular season. It's been a bit of more of a process for him, but it's still really like the, the process that he's been through. And they get more ice time now, too, because the 11-7 and seven with, you know, Braden Point out of, the, out of the lineup, guys get a little bit more ice time. And who doesn't like that, right, guys? Plenty of time now between rounds. Keep them off the jet skis, would you? 
<laughs> hey, that's part of the process. It's part of the fun, and it's part of their ability to relax. I mean, you guys probably saw that stuff on Twitter where they didn't have the morning skate when they were in Florida, and they go out and throw the football around on the beach. Coop isn't afraid to give the guys time off. He isn't afraid to give them some, some liberty as long as when you show up. And it works for this team. These guys get their heads together. They don't go wild. He gives them days off. They're in two days off right now. He's giving them two days off the ice right now. Well-deserved, and they'll need it. But uh, if they want to get on the jet skis, I have no problem with that at all, guys. And I'll tell you what, there are a lot of guys around the NHL that are jealous. We are. We know that. (laughs) Sam is. Sounds great. Hey, Brian, really appreciate your time. Thanks for this, and enjoy your time off until the third round. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Be well. Thank you. He just got the ultimate program right now. I kind of want Brian's program. <laughs> <laughs> Is he living down there without the pressure of being oh, physically active okay. every day? It sounds great. Like we are talking Nick Paul again now. Hey, again. this guy's up 20 plus minutes slotted in points position. Like, I know. Okay, this guy turned down. Talk about the Patriots. This guy just plugging guys. This in. guy turned down two point three million. I think. I was thinking about that while he was talking. Turned down two point three to bet on himself. Would there have been a number he played for, or did he just want out of Ottawa? Maybe like, may, maybe two five. Oh my god! Maybe, maybe three what million. Maybe three. Maybe Fine. three. Fine. Signed. Fine. Fine. Think about Alex Kerfoot making three five and we're all like he's great. Nick Paul's a more effective postseason player. Like, I don't know where he's gone now. Is he Philip Deneau? Oh wow. I don't know. If you would you not slot him now as a second line centerman potentially? I don't know. Yeah, it depends what your team looks like. Philip Deneau did not have the the uh, the reputation for being a, a oh, twenty had, goal scorer. No, until he did. But you're right; he didn't have that rep when he got five times five it's and like, a are half. Are you paying five a shutdown five? guy five million plus? No, yeah, I, I guess, guess you I are. Guess he was a UFA, and Paul's still an RFA. I imagine. I think he's still an RFA. Um, no, I don't. Uh, if, is he's he? just, if he's just a UFA, no. he's going to pay yeah. it all like the same. I, I, I think he's UFA. I could be wrong though. I, I Nick Paul, where are we at here? I don't he think they would have traded him. UFA. I don't think they Ottawa would have oh, traded Nick, him. Nick Paul's going to get five times five. <laughs> He's so Thank good. you. Five times four. Thanks. Five times four. Thanks. With a cup, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. If he's a contributor all, all along the way, there's a lot of teams say, "I'll pay that guy." What is Ottawa doing? Man, they. That's I, just a bad move. What are you doing? Uh, you Do can you go, watch hockey. Go find another six four. 25 year old who can get up and down the ice like that. Who wants three million? out of your mind i'm sure three times three or three times four would have done it for him this is mental that we're having this conversation right yeah so you if you want to get rich just go play on the third line in tampa in the playoffs and you just become rich you think i like, mean it doesn't hurt Article good, good draw it's good spot yeah. tampa florida last night needed nine minutes for a puck grazing the net to disallow a goal eventually, but nine minutes. What are your thoughts? My thoughts is you can never allow a stoppage of nine minutes. I think Anthony Stewart talked about this on on uh, the he panel did. last night. Would you which, rather them get it wrong? No. I'd rather them get it right in two <laughs> minutes. Okay. Okay? Yeah. 
just not nine. I'll take yes. That's I'm not way arguing. Too long. It is way too long. But in these moments, right and right and long have to be better than wrong and. Do you short. know why? Do you know they were gonna call it a goal? Do no. you know why they didn't? Because Sportsnet enhanced the camera, and then they concluded off of Sportsnet's feed that the the puck changed direction dramatically. They used the tools at their disposal to get it right. Hey, how about this? Have your own tools? Get your own toolbox. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Don't wait nine minutes for Sportsnet. It, yeah. It's... Go get more cameras and have cameras that cover the mesh if you want to keep this rule. Mm-hmm. Just have better cameras, high-definition cameras, on the mesh all the time. Kipper, I got a lamp that when I touch it with a finger, it lights up. Can we get the mesh, a little uh, uh, sensor? The, it's been hit? Well, and they have Can the it abil- blow an auto they, whistle they, or something? They, they have, uh, the NHL does have the ability to blow up their own cameras, mm-hmm. but I think sometimes the quality gets a little grainier. Okay. And, yeah. But go get good cameras. Hey. Yeah, you got to spend your own money. Yeah, maybe some of that six fifty that Seattle gave you six hundred fifty million. Just use a couple of more cameras. That's all you need is <laughs> yeah. more cameras, yeah. and your problem is solved. Yeah, no, you're right. That needs to be that's the next place to iron out because it is absurd to wait that long for. A what decision. about? This is just me off the top of my head, but what about if, uh, like, off the mesh? So what? Play on. Can you imagine if that was allowed and you Whoa, could... Whoa, I don't know. The mesh is angled down from a distance from center. Just shoot it off the mesh and have it kick out in front of the net. I'm in. Crazy bounces off the glass all over the place. It's what about a on. hill at center ice? Why not, if it's off the mesh, play on? <laughs> We've got a couple spike strips. <laughs> no. I, I, I just... It's out of play. What That's do you think? Like, no. I, sorry, Kipper. I, I love you, buddy. But, but it is that. in play. No, it's it's no different than the puck going high off the glass and then back in play. It's in play. I guess it's the inconsistencies and the angling of the net and the I get. I, listen, I like the idea. Let's keep it pushing here. But I think the randomness. I'm just this throwing, is like, this I is haven't like thought I, about it. Remember, <laughs> I may hate it. <laughs> if sec- I suggested this, Kipper'd be buried. Thirty, me 30 right seconds now. after I'm off air, I'm going to go. That was the stupidest <laughs> idea ever. Remember when we came up with ideas for what the Olympic hockey should look like, and it was like no rules. It was like you know no just pure no mayhem. lines. Yeah, yeah. I don't and know. It was too long. That was way too long. Yeah. Question is, do you want 10 guys looking up in the sky like they're watching a, someone fly a kite till the puck comes down? Looking for bound, trying to catch a fair catch a fly ball. You know what was really funny last night, too, is um, watching Tampa after I think Maroon scored his goal and everybody goes to the Jumbotron. Yeah. Everybody. Like in fairness, 10 it was guys, like, was coaches. High? And it's like, yeah. uh, okay, now we got to just, we're at the. <laughs> Complete mercy of video. But, you know, you got to give Tampa credit. They score, and it gets taken away. And they keep coming. And they score, and it gets taken away. And they keep coming. A lot of teams would use that as, as an excuse to fold. We got bad breaks, bad call, bad delay. Tampa just Tampa kept pushing. Tampa wasn't, wasn't great No, they had a the game. They didn't deserve to win that game. But this is what they were doing. Like... They have a great goaltender who, by the way, is on the hockey team and allowed to be an asset. People act like as one team controlled the run of play, they should win every game. Sorry, goaltending is a position. And, you know, they hung in there and they're patient until they, until they get their chances. 
patience. They are confident the chances will come and they don't force it. <sighs> Battle tonight. Of, Battle of Alberta tonight. Talk about that, the bet that you could make. The- yes. So right now, there's a bet you can make, which is Connor McDavid to get no points tonight. And it pays massively. Uh, plus 430 is what I saw it at. So a $20 bet would pay you $106 for McDavid to get no points. Do you want it? Would you place 20 bucks on McDavid to get zero points to get paid out 106? <laughs> I'm not touching it. You gotta be the worst sports fan of all time to make that bet. Wow. Like that's could, how good this guy is. If you're Connor McDavid's buddy, could you could you get him to take a shift and then pull his groin? You'd be better to say Connor can I have 106 <laughs> bucks. <laughs> and he'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I make 12 million a year. Now, yeah. if if he does pull his groin after the first shift, you're paid, bud. You're paid. Oh yeah. Yep. Kipper, <laughs> what's that grin? You know, how about Connor. This, Mark Markstrom <laughs> led the NHL in shutouts this year with guess how many? Eight. Nine. Nine yeah. shutouts. Yeah, I think they were in the first ten games. They were. They? He had like, yeah, you're right. He had like four of the first six starts or something. Oh my gosh! Leafs are out of the playoffs, and we still can't find enough time to get everything into the show. I know. Oil I'm curious to tonight. see how long this can go on for. But. Oil Calgary. Calgary. Tonight? No, let's make it a seven-game series. It's too much fun, and we need Calgary have, to win. I'm, I'm on Calgary. Yeah. All right. Our thanks to Kevin Lowe, Steve Valaket, and Brian Englom. We're back tomorrow. Stay safe, everybody. Enjoy the hockey.